Thank you for listening to Fearless LA. We believe where love is greater, fear is less. Tune in today to hear a life-changing message from our special guest, Pastor Doug Grassic. Man, I'd love to take your pastor on the road and intro me everywhere I go, man. It's, it's like a hype night. Hey, your pastors, let me say something about life. When you're at the end of your journey, it's not going to matter how much money's in your bank account. It's gonna, not going to matter how many things that you did and how many things you think you accomplished and all that stuff. At the end of your life, when you're on your funeral, when you're gone, you're going to heaven, what's going to matter is the friendships you have and the people you did life with. And I feel extra blessed that I get to do life with Pastor Jeremy and Christy Johnson. You know this, but let me just say something. It's easy to treat the extraordinary as if it's ordinary if we're not careful. And what you guys have is extraordinary in pastors. Can you thank God for your pastors? Come on, you can do better than that. Slap, slap somebody a high five and say, you are so good looking today at church. Sit down, sit down, sit down. Well, listen, I broke my hand. This is why I got this cast on. Broke my hand on Sunday. Found out I needed surgery on Monday. Was able to, they had to wait for the swelling to go down. They gave me surgery on Thursday. Your pastor called, we were talking, he says, well, if you can't make it, I, I understand. I said, Joker, do you know who your friend is right now? I said, I'm having surgery on Thursday. They put a metal plate in my hand and Wolverine claws, which is sweet. I woke up from anesthesia, got on a plane. My hand swelled up twice the size because I guess elevation is not good for your surgically repaired hand. Landed, got ready, got hooked up, and I came to church today to see God move in Fearless in downtown L.A. Now, I want you to think about who slept in from church today that lives down the street. And I want you to text them and say, this joker, this chubby ginger, drove, flew 4,000, I didn't try, that would be great, flew 4,442 miles to be in church today. And just text shame to them and leave it at that with the evil eye emoji. I love you, and I believe God's got something special today. Amen? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray that you would do a miracle work. Get me out of the way so you can get in the way. God, your word is the only thing that changes lives, so let it shine now as your presence comes into this place. Let us be changed by the power of God. I did not come to church today to get a gold sticker that I just showed up. I came to feel you move in my life. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... Amen, amen. God is good, amen? All right, all right, all right. Man, well, I miss my wife and my kids that I got on the plane with. I want to show you how beautiful and amazing they are. My wife, Stephanie, and my children, Parker, James, and Ian. Y'all got a picture of them that you can throw up for me? Look at these beautiful little ginger babies and that blonde. We're going to start a company called Three Gingers and a Blonde. It's going to take off. We don't know what we're going to do yet, but we're going to do something, right? I want to tell you something. First of all, I want you to realize this. These little plastic-looking things that she's throwing in the air are called leaves. Now, you're from L.A. You don't know what this is. You have these things called palm trees. We don't have those in Ohio. And in Ohio, there's this thing called the seasons are changing where it goes from summer, which is hot, 
to fall, which is cool, to winter that has snow, to spring with rain, okay? This is the life of everyone else but this little bubble that you live in, okay? And what's amazing is we, you can take a, a photo shoot in the fall and all those beautiful colored things are falling to the ground that she's throwing. Those aren't props. Those are from trees that fall to the ground. And I just want to encourage you. There's other things out in this world besides palm trees and taco trucks. Now, I love taco trucks too, okay? But I want to encourage you. Listen. My wife is amazing. I miss her dearly. I want to encourage you. When you decide to get married, aim high and marry people that God is going to help project you to your future, not just whoever is available at the time. I'm going to talk more about here in a minute. But I love those kids. I miss them. And I just wanted you to know that they send their love to you as a fearless family. We pray for you. When we get in at night, my four-year-old, we pray together every night. My two-year-old is a terrorist. We don't get to pray with him at night, okay? Anybody got some bad kids? I mean, I got a bad kid, okay? Like, Jesus is going to touch him. God is going to move in his life. But right now, the devil is running amok in his life at two. And so we don't pray with him. We just pray for him. Come on. Can I get an amen? And we pray with my older one because he loves Jesus. And, and we sit down and we pray and we say, God, bless our friends in Fearless L.A. And God, do miracles in Fearless L.A. And uh, I believe that out of the mouths of children, God can speak some incredible things. Amen. So we send our love to you. They love you. They miss you. Next time, they'll come with me. But we are just so honored to be here. I'm going to talk to you for a few minutes because last week was Mother's Day, and I was with my mom, so I broke my hand on Mother's Day. We had a family party because my younger sister was dedicating, her and her husband were dedicating their second baby at our 6 o'clock service at one of our campuses, and I actually stayed home because I wasn't scheduled for that service to prep the house, and in the process, I ended up breaking my hand before the party. I have to cut cheese blocks with one hand, okay? Uh, and I'm, I'm getting the party ready, and I realize I don't want to ruin the party for my mama and for my wife, because it's Mother's Day. So I don't let anybody know that my hand is broken, and about 15 of my family members come to our house. They're passing the newborn baby to me. I'm like, oh, Jesus' name, thank you, love this child. Help me, Lord. Going through, the, going through the party, my hand is broken, swollen, nobody's paying attention. You know, like when people aren't looking for something, they're not looking for something. Everybody leaves, we shut the door, and, bye, we love y'all, see you later. Everybody leaves, I, the door shuts, I look at my wife, Stephanie. What? I need something, I gotta tell you something. What? I'm 99.9% .9 sure I broke my hand before the party. No, you didn't, because she thinks I'm a baby. No, you didn't. And I showed her my hand, and my hand was like this, all dangled up. She went, oh my God, you broke your hand. She's like, what do we do? I'm like, I don't know. So we ate popsicles and made a split out of popsicle sticks. Because I ain't paying the prices to go to the ER. We go into urgent care the next morning, okay? I'm a man. Put some duct tape on it and let's go tomorrow. Some of y'all, what? I don't understand that. Grow up in the Midwest. You under Grow a beard. You understand it. Give me some popsicle sticks and some tape. Go to sleep. <laughs> so we go through and find out the whole thing. Crazy, right? It's nuts. So I was talking to my mom, though, on Mother's Day. And I asked her, I said, Mom, can you just like, like, what's the most terrible thing I ever did as a kid? Like, what's the worst thing I ever did? She goes, oh, Doug, please, child. Like, I'm writing a memoir of all the terrible things you did as a child. She's like, but let me give you the most memorable one. The first thing that comes to my mind. She goes, you were 16 years old, and it was 4th of July. And I went, oh, snap, I remember this one. 
16-year-old, 4th of July, I begged my parents. My dad's here. He will witness to it. I begged my parents to let me have fireworks since I was like four years old. Because I want to blow stuff up, okay? Like, like, let's get serious, right? I like watching. Can I blow it up? And they're like, no, Doug, you're not responsible. You're not ready. You can't do this. By the time I was 16, I wore them out to let me go buy highly dangerous explosives. In Ohio, you can buy them like off of like tents on the side of the road. Like the homeless dudes in Ohio just sell fireworks to live. And they're like, here, you want to buy some? I'm like, yeah, I want to buy some. I'm allowed now. And so they let me, they don't know what they let me get, but I'm getting some very dangerous fireworks. Ones that shoot up in the air and make big explosions. And I have them and we're gonna go to a, a party, 4th of July party at my, my aunt's house. And so we had, now come on, I need someone to get real for a minute. We had an Astro van growing up. Who knows what I'm talking about? Show them it, come on, give it to them. Bam! Now listen, ours wasn't that hipster, okay? That's a hipster Astrovan. That's a cool Astrovan. Ours wasn't that cool, but ours did have the third row that if you pushed a button, the, uh, the third row seat became a bed immediately. Bounce, wow, wow. Like, that's so cool. Kids in my church are like, yo, Pastor, real talk, I buy one of those and live in the parking lot of the church with it. Like, I can fit all my skinny jeans in there and I can make espresso. And I can serve the house of God living in an Astrovan. So we had one. It was cool. We liked it, right? They put me, I'm in the backpack. My little sister is six. She's in a booster seat. My little brother is two. He's in a toddler seat. I have the fireworks on me. We're in the garage, in the van, bundled up. My parents say, hold on. We got to go get the casserole. And then we're going to come back and we're going to go to your aunt's house. In the process of about 30 seconds, I pull out one of my very dangerous explosives. My parents don't know this because I'm a hoodlum. I had a lighter on me as well. And I pull it out. And I say to my little sister, I flick it open. I go, you dare me to get closer? And, and she's like more rational, mature than me at six. No, don't do this. This is a bad idea. Think about it, Doug. And I go, what, what, I can't hear you. You want me to get it closer? Please, we're going to die. Don't do this. What? What? What I didn't realize was that you don't actually have to touch the flame to the wick because heat produces something called a heat aura. And if you're hot enough, you can catch something on fire without it actually touching the flame. So as I'm doing my stupid idiot what what thing, all of a sudden, we hear this. In the van in the garage, down by the river. Anyone under 21 does not get that reference. YouTube it. SNL, Chris Farley, get your mind right. Okay, sorry, I'm, your pastor gonna be back next week. He's gonna fix all this, okay? He just, they let me out every once in a while. Let me do this, I go back to the hole. I'm panicking. I don't know what to do. My sister doesn't know what to do. My two-year-old brother is pooping his pants in his diaper. He doesn't know what to do. And I'm panicking in the garage, in the van. And I, don't, and I, I, I should probably try to leave, but I don't know what, I'm freaking out. And so I throw the firework on the ground and I start curve stomping it and trying to kill it like it's like trying to kill me. And I, and I can't get it out. And all of a sudden, the psh, 
goes to a and the van slowly starts filling with smoke. It's like a Cheech and Chong video all of a sudden in his van. And then it had a flame at the end of it. We see like, everybody's like lit up, like it's a worship service at Fearless at 10.30 in the morning. Lights, smoke, flames. It's like the best church service you can imagine in a van in the garage. Burns the entire carpet down the aisleway and explodes. Let's just be clear, we could have died. 30 seconds have gone by, my parents come back out. My sister, the whole thing is covered in smoke. I don't know what to do. We're sitting in the smoke in the van. My little sister with a big bitty eye turns around at me in the third row and she goes, I won't tell mom and dad. I said, Katie, we are well beyond that. <laughs> like in my house, there's a fear of getting whooped. You didn't normally get whooped, but there was the fear of getting whooped. Anybody else live like that in life? If your kids don't live like that, that's why they bad and need Jesus. I'm not saying to whoop your kids. I'm saying they gotta have a fear of getting whooped. Remember, I'm from the Midwest. Y'all are a little bit more, I'm not politically correct. We're just gonna go there, okay? They got to have the fear. I might never whoop you, but I need you to think I'm going to whoop you. And then your kid will straighten up. So I'm like, I'm getting killed, and they're going to bury me in the backyard because this is the way this thing's ending. They come out with the casserole, smoke's going out of the van. Oh, my goodness, what happened? Well, nobody's talking because I've taught my siblings at that young age, snitches get stitches. I will cut you. Finally, somebody breaks an interrogation. And it comes out that I blew up this firework, this explosive, in the van, in the garage. My mom has to go lay down. We don't go to the party. It's a whole stress out thing, freaking out. My question to you today is what do you do when you don't know what to do? And too often, I think most of us are paralyzed by fear. And we think we can figure it out, but we really don't know where to turn. My hope today is that we look into the gospel and realize that when we turn to God, we're not just getting a good answer, we're getting the best answer. Today I want to talk to you about brotherly love. Brotherly love. Why do I say it? We're going to be in the book of James. The book of James was written by a guy named James. What I didn't know until a few months ago is James was the half-brother of Jesus. I didn't know this. I went to Bible college. They didn't teach it to me. And then when I found out that James was the half-brother of Jesus, it changed the whole way I viewed this small book in the Bible. My siblings and I tend to tell the truth about each other. Like, when I don't think I'm getting fat, my sister will tell me, you're getting a little fat. (laughs) When I think I did okay, she goes, "Mm mm-mm, you didn't do so good. Because, right, as siblings, we tend to be real with our sibling. Like, we think, ain't nobody else going to tell you the truth. I'm going to tell you the truth. James told the truth about his half-brother, Jesus. He didn't just follow him for three years. He grew up watching him when no one else was watching him. And in a day and time, 2,000 years ago, when Christians were being persecuted, killed, stoned, abused, he stood up and said, I'm not going to lie, he really is the Messiah. And if that means I die, so be it, because I will not deny God in my life. And I don't care if you're like, well, he's just your brother. No, he really is who he said he was. That, it blew my mind. And I began to read the book of James very differently after that. It truly was brotherly 
love. James chapter 1. What do I do when I don't know what to do? Verse number 5 says this. If you need wisdom, wave at me if you need wisdom. If you're not waving, you're a liar. And the Bible says liars go to hell, and I'm going to leave it at that, okay? Kidding. Okay, but not really. If you need wisdom, ask. Say ask. Our generous, say generous. God, say God. Ask our generous God. Let me say something to you. Some of us struggle with the idea of asking God for anything. Because as a kid, we asked him to do something like fix our parents' broken marriage, and it did not happen. So we start thinking God wasn't big enough to handle our problems. We started saying, God, fix this area of my life. Heal my broken heart. Do this, do that, whatever. And when God didn't do what you wanted because you were hoping he was a genie in a bottle, all of a sudden you started doubting the ability that God had to fix your problem. Some of us are having a hard time asking God because our pride is in the way that we think we can do it ourselves. I'm not a very handy person. I stink when it comes to fixing anything in my house. When I get a power tool in my hand, my wife stops me in the process. What are you doing and put it down right now? Oh no, I'm just gonna fix this. You're not fixing anything, put that down. And we're, one of our campuses is getting remodeled. They're ripping out concrete. They're building new walls. They've doubled our auditorium, new kids space, all this fun stuff. All this construction's going on. And I want to help. I want to be a giver, and I want to support the vision that we feel God has given us. So I want to lend my one not broken hand to help the situation. And every time I get around the guys who know what they're doing, all they do is send me to Home Depot. Anybody else the runner to go to Home Depot? You know that life. They're like, oh, Pastor Doug, I'm so happy you're here to help. Hey, can you do us a favor? They talk to you like slow, like, like, like something wrong with you. You're like, yeah. Can you do us a favor and can you go to Home Depot? It's right over there. It's a big building that sells stuff that you don't know anything about. We're going to text you a picture of the drill called a drill bit. It's a 516th. And I'm like, I don't, it's like Charlie Brown, the teacher. Wah, 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 wah. I'm like, well, okay. We're going to send you a picture. You're going to go. You're going to pick it up. And you're going to bring it back to us because we need to use it. Okay. So they give it to me. And I had to do like 10, 12, 15, 20 runs over a couple months, right? So as I start going to Home Depot in the beginning, I would find anybody in the orange smog. Help me. Get this. And I show them a picture. And they're like, okay, come with me. And they give it to me, right? But then I started feeling confident at Home Depot. Like, I know this stuff. I'm in this store a lot now. And then I see that little girl with the orange smog, and I go, you don't know more than me. I know what I'm doing here. I don't need you little girl in the orange smog named Samantha. I'm good. And I'll go find, and then I'll bring something back to them. They go, oh, Pastor Doug, this is not a 516th drill bit. This is whatever they'd say. And I'd be like, oh. And I started realizing my pride was getting in the way because I started thinking I knew better than what I really did. Instead of asking for help to someone who I didn't think could help, I should have recognized that they knew where they were and what they were doing. See, God knows where he is and he knows what he's doing with you. He's not trying to ruin your fun. He's trying to protect your future. He's trying to do things for you that you don't even realize. Before you even knew there was a problem, he's working on the solution. But you've got to humble yourself and begin to ask him. 
And here's what I know about my God. When you ask him, it says that he is generous. Some of us have this false idea of God that he is not generous to us. You think that God is stingy. You think God only gives good things to people that he chooses to because he likes them more than you. When I became a dad, I was scared out of my mind. I was fearful, not fearless. I was nervous. I didn't know how to raise a kid. I was scared. And as I've watched my kids grow up, here's something that God showed. You will never understand Father God until you have kids. Because I'm imperfect, and I screw up a ton with my kids. But I would die in a minute for them to live. And my oldest son, the good one, not the bad one that we're praying for. Every morning he wakes up happy. My younger son wakes up and he just starts screaming. You're like, what can I give you to stop? Like, you are terrible. I love you. But I'd like to lay Holy Ghost hands on you right now. The Bible says lay hands on people. It doesn't say how hard. That might be why you see this broken hand right now. You just fill in the gap. Kidding. And so my oldest son wakes up every morning. He's so nice. He's so sweet. He's so wonderful. And he always says to me, he goes, Daddy, I'm hungry. Well, what do you want? Yogurt. Everyday yogurt. Okay, let's get you yogurt. He then runs to the fridge, opens it himself, gets out the tray where the yogurt is. He knows where it's at. Gets it out, hands it to me, gets a spoon, and waits for me because he can't peel the label thing just yet. Peel it, get it. He eats yogurt every morning. It's, I love it. It's so much fun. Awesome. He's never once come to me and said, Daddy, if you like me today, would it be okay if I could have some scraps from your table? Because he knows he's a son, and sons don't have to ask to get in the refrigerator of the house. And I need to declare to somebody today, you are a son or a daughter of God. Quit thinking God isn't for you. He is not against you. His best plan is you, and he loves you enough to die on a cross for your sins and my sins. Quit thinking you don't get to go in the refrigerator. Quit thinking that you just deserve the table scraps. He says, you're my kid, man. I'm wild about you. Get in the fridge. I want to be generous with you if you can recognize how generous I can be. And so here's what it says. Ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. And I love this. He will not rebuke you for asking. God is not in the business of telling you, I told you you'd screw up. Some of y'all got some curses over your life from some dads and some moms or some people that have said, I told you so. I knew you were going to ruin your life. I knew you were going to screw it up. And I need to tell you that is not the character of God. He will not rebuke you for humbling yourself and asking him for help. First thing you do when you don't know what to do is ask God. God. And here, can I say this? Oh, this is, I, it's, some of us, need to quit making God the last chance and start making him the first priority. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and all other things. Some of us are like, well, I'm seeking everything else first. And then when it all falls apart, I want to make it. I'm in L.A. Versus, God, I seek you that you position me here for such a time as this. What do you want from me? I'm asking you for wisdom on what to do in this moment. I love the clap from the back. Come on, somebody. I see you back there. Somebody in the back giving a shout. I just want to encourage you, don't make him your last resort. Let's make him our first priority. First thing I want you to do is ask God when you don't know what to do. Let's keep reading. James chapter 1 verse 6 says it like this. But when you ask, be sure that your faith, say faith is in God alone. Say alone. 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 
See, the problem is some of us say, God, okay, speak to me. But if I don't like what you're saying, let me go to my girlfriend and maybe she'll help me. Oh, maybe my mama will tell me something different. I'm searching for somebody to affirm what I already want to do. So when you first, when you don't know what to do, when you ask God, that's great. Second thing is you need to listen to what he says. When my wife and I started our church, we were so fired up. Every person, we only had 14 people when we started. Every person that came in knew, I was like an eagle watching a field mouse. You're new, and I want you to join our church. Broken hand can still pick up a little field mouse. And I would hunt them down. I'd be like, hey, do you all want to get coffee sometime? They're like, oh, maybe. Sure, tomorrow, great, I'll see you then. And I'd schedule all these coffee meetings, right? And sit down with people and talk to them. And my wife would come, we'd sit there. And I tend to talk a lot, and I tend to talk fast, if you can't pick that up by now. And I tend to not know when to shut up. You know anybody in your life, they just don't know when to shut up? If you don't know anybody in your life like that, it's you. And God wants to touch that part of your life. He's trying to touch mine. And, and we'd sit down. And we start talking, or I'd start talking. And I'd share the vision of our church. I'd share where we're going. I'd declare the next five years of what God's going to do. I'd already talk about next campus coming up. We got 14 people. I'm telling them everything about God and how they can be used if they want to join what God's doing. And I need you to sign up right now, right now, right now. Like a used car salesman just going to town. <laughs> Nothing against used car salesmen, but I'd be good at one. And I'd just go and go and go. I would think during that meeting, I'd be thinking in my mind, this is going amazing. Like, this is good. The Holy Spirit is showing up. God is doing things. I think I noticed doves flying into the coffee shop and landing on my shoulders as I'm speaking to these people. And they're, like, loving this. We get in the car. I say, Stephanie, well, how do you feel that went? And she go, can I be real with you? I want to challenge you to be with somebody who's going to say hard things to you even when you don't want to hear it. And you, if you don't have any voices in your life that are challenging you, the problem is you in a bubble, and eventually that bubble's gonna pop. And you're gonna realize, you're gonna show up and try to audition for American Idol and sound like me singing. And you're gonna say, everybody's always told me I'm so great at singing. And I'm gonna say, you didn't have nobody in your life who could tell you the truth. Woo! Amen with my little hand, that's what I'm doing. It's like a sock puppet over here. My wife says, well, let me tell you what I think. She goes, I think that you dominated the conversation. I think you didn't shut up. And I think that you didn't give room for anyone else to talk. And my response to her was this. <gasps> Did you not sense the presence of God in that moment? Like, like, what is wrong with you? You got a demon in you? Like, why are you trying to stop what God's doing? She's like, Doug, quit. Like, you need to listen to somebody. No, you need to listen. You got a problem. I'm afraid you're being used by the enemy right now. She's like, what? I said, do me a favor. I'm afraid there's a demon in you. She's like, shut up. I go, say Jesus is Lord right now. <laughs> Let me teach you something, husbands. When you ask your wife or tell your wife to say Jesus is Lord, two things are happening. One, she don't want to let you win by saying Jesus is Lord. Two, you can now say, you didn't say it. You really do got a demon in you. But I don't suggest doing this, okay? She looks at me. I'm not going to say it. Well, you just proved my point. And you know what she said to me? You know what she said to me? She said, 
I love how you asked me questions, but you already have the answer in mind. I love how you already have a predetermined answer before you even ask me my opinion. So why are you even wasting our time? Let's just go home. Ow, I didn't mean that you'd get all mean-spirited like that with me. Just kind of said you might have a demon in you. I'm just trying to be real. But it, the hurt in it is the truth. Some of us come to God and say, God, I know this person doesn't follow you, but I love them, and they're not showing any indication. I'm trying to missionary date them to help them get to you, but I know they're wanting me to do things that are not of you, but shouldn't I just be with them because it's comfortable and easy, and someday they're going to love you? What should I do in my relationship? And God says, I want you to trust me and not settle for second best. And you go, but God, they, they got a lot of Instagram followers. I like them. Don't do that. Some of y'all think that. But God, they, you know, like they treat me nice most of the time. And all of a sudden, you are telling God how he should be telling you what to do. Some of you are like, man, my finances are wrecked. God, fix it. And he's saying, cool, trust me and give me what my word says and I will bless the rest of it. And you're going, but God, you don't understand. It's expensive to live in L.A. So is it more money to live in L.A. than what God has to give to you? So is God not able to resource you in L.A.? Because last time I read my Bible, it said that he owns a thousand cattle on a thousand hill. Now let me help you for a minute. I'm from the Midwest. I go to things called the county fair. You guys might not know what those are here, just like leaves. County fairs are where you get to see all the prized animals, it sounds silly saying it out loud, from all over the county. People bring their big old fat heifers. And they go, wow, that's a big, beautiful cow right there. I don't understand it, but I go. And one time I asked somebody, I go, oh, that big fat cow right there, how much that sell for? They said, that cow right there? Oh, that's a prize cow. That sells for $12,000, that cow. I said, excuse me? I said, why are people selling drugs? Start selling cows, you crazy. Sling some beef, bro. 12, I said, $12,000 for that one cow? Oh yeah, that's a prize cow. I'm gonna let y'all settle in for a second before I keep going. And it made the Bible become real to me. Because God says, I own a thousand cattle on a thousand hill. So if you wanna do the math, Doug, I've got more than enough for you. If you would trust me and listen to me, I, I did not bring you here to let you die here. I did not bring you here to fail you here. But you have this idea that you can take control and tell me what to do. That's not how it works, kid. I tell you what to do, and you listen, and if you do it, I will bless you beyond measure. Some of us, when we don't know what to do, we want to tell God how to fix it. First, it's like, God, you fix it in me. Some of us, oh, I don't have enough money to give. Well, my problem is you're missing out on what God could do if you let him do a miracle in your life. Because it's not about your money. It's about your heart. He's saying, God, I trust you in good times and in bad. That you're still God, and you're bigger than my problem. So first thing I want you to do when you don't know what to do is ask God. Second thing I want you to do is I want you to allow him to speak and listen. And let's read James chapter 1, two more verses. Are you with me? Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettling 
as the waves of the sea that have blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive, say it with me, anything. Say it with me, anything. Listen to me. James is laying some hard truth on us. Those who cannot make up their mind and follow God. Those who will not hold on to God when things are not going their way. They should not expect God to give them what? Anything. Well, God, I know I'm not doing what you want, but would you still bless me? I went to church today. We think that going to church is a magic sprinkle that God's going to fix our problems. God, I threw some money in an offering today. Yeah, but you gave out of your, out of overflow. You had too much. You didn't give out of your need. You gave because, oh, I got a little extra. Let me throw some money in. I want to challenge you. Those who do not listen to God and they keep changing their mind, they should not expect God to do anything for them. That's not my words. That's his. Bring it up with him. I'm just trying to shine some light on why you're feeling like you're not blessed. I'm trying to shine some light on the fact of why you feel stuck. Why you feel like God's given it to others, but he's not giving it to me. Well, when was the last time you asked him to speak? When was the last time you listened when he did speak? But sometimes you're like, well, today I'll try God, but if it doesn't do it right now, then I'll go back to what I was doing before. I'm not a farmer. I live around some farmers. But when they give you seed, you can't expect the seed to produce a harvest by holding and looking at it. That's real pretty seed. I like that seed. You've got to be willing to let it go, let it go in, and trust the process of what's happening. My parents have a great garden, and my kids love going to the garden and picking stuff. And when we start, the, right now we're starting the garden. That's what we do. And every time my kids go over to my parents' house, they say, Chichi Papa. That's what they go, Chichi Papa. We got to go check the garden. Baby, we checked the garden yesterday. It's not going to change overnight. No, we got to check the garden. And they go over there and they, they're watching. Can we pick it now? Can we pick it? There's nothing to pick yet. Some of our Christianity thinks, well, if it's quick, I'll do it. But then I keep going back and saying, okay, can I get it now? Can I get it now? Is it ready? Can I fix it? Can I have it? Can you do it? And God's saying, would you be patient because I am doing something that you cannot see yet. So trust me on the process. I wish somebody would get it. That you cannot microwave a blessing with God. You can't microwave God to move on your behalf. Because while it's in the ground, things are happening inside of you that you have to trust him even when you don't see him moving. Where's trust if it's always right there for you? If it just happens, okay, I'm good. Well, you might love the idea of God, but you will not trust God when times go bad in your life. Because you're always used to it being easy. And let me tell you something about Christianity. It was never meant to be easy. But it's always worth it. And so I want to teach you the third thing you're supposed to do when you don't know what to do. And it's an interesting word. We're going to unpack it here for the last few minutes. I want you to adhere to what he says. A-D-H-E-R-E. I want you to adhere to what God is saying to you. The word adhere means to cling to for dear life. I want you to cling to as if your life depends on what God is saying to you when he speaks to you. Have you ever had to adhere to something? You ever had to cling on to something for dear life? When I was 18 years old, there's a, there is a theme park by me in Ohio called Cedar Point. Anybody ever heard of Cedar? Come on now. 
When I was a senior and getting out of school, we, we went to Cedar Point, and it was a grand opening of a roller coaster called the Power Tower. 300 feet, it lifted you straight up and dropped you straight down. Who invented this terrible, terrible idea? And everybody wanted, it was a grand opening weekend when we went. And so we go, and the line is like six hours long because everybody wants to go on this ride. They're making you sign waivers in line that if you die because this is such a new machine, you can't hold them liable. And I say to my friends, are we sure we want to do this? And they go, quit being a sissy, Karasik. Okay. Because in high school, you hear quit being a sissy, you quit being a sissy. Oh, we're going to jump? Sure. Whatever. We're in line forever. We're hearing people blood curl scream every time they drop. And I just said, Do we, have we prayed about this? Do we feel like, we feel like a peace from God about this? Grusty, I'll punch you in the face, you don't do it. Okay. We're doing it. We get on it, waited all day. They're buckling everybody in. I'm in my little seat. We're doing it. And as we start to go up, I realize they forgot to buckle me in. No, for real. And I say to my friends, are y'all, is this thing buckled for you? Yeah. It ain't buckled for me. And we're going 300 feet in the air. So click, 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 click. And I'm going, Jesus, Jesus, there's no wonderful name as yours. I'm singing old hands, bro. And I prayed a prayer to God that day. I said, God, don't let me die, number one. And number two, please don't have me poop my pants. And if you have to choose between the two, I would rather die than poop my pants. Because nobody's walking around the theme park all day with poop in their pants. Yeah, I just showed you my butt. What'd you learn at church today? I don't know, I looked at the dude's butt for a little bit. I don't know. Talking about pooping his pants. We get to the top. You have to wait 30 seconds for the compression air to like release. I hear immediately flashback to the van. 16 years old. No, no. Jesus, take the wheel. Drop. I'm screaming, the ride's over. They had to get a medic to peel my hands off of the ride machine. You know when your adrenaline's so strong, you can actually get to the point where you lock yourself into a position. They like had to get somebody to, you're like, Jurassic's such a sissy. My belt wasn't buckled. And my pants, I did not poop in them. That's all I cared about. I, I'm not smelling anything, I did not poop my pants. They had to release me, get me out of their whole thing, everybody's laughing. I learned what it was like to cling for your life. Wow, to hold on and say, no matter what happens, I am not letting go of this thing. Even though it feels like my life is dropping at a million miles an hour, even though I don't know where to turn, I don't understand how I got in this circumstance, I am here now, so I'm going to adhere to God, and I'm going to hold on no matter what it takes. I will not let go of what he told me. Some of us, you need to hear this today. You've asked God, he's spoken to you, now hold on. Don't let go. Because here's what I want you to know. Storms in your life 
don't last forever. There is not a storm on this planet that does not have an expiration date. Every storm starts and every storm stops. Please do me a favor. Lean in on this moment. Don't make permanent decisions in temporal storms. Don't think God is not faithful because you're getting rained on. Don't think God is not able because you hear lightning and thunder. Don't think God isn't good enough because someone else isn't in a storm and you are. That storm has an expiration on it. Don't quit on this thing because you're dealing with it now. I'm telling you, when you get to the other side of it, you will see God's faithfulness like never before. One of my best friends, Eric Brown's here with me today. He's a fourth generation Navy sailor. And he told me something. He said, when it comes to seas that are crashing and storms that are raging, the Navy has a motto for us. Smooth seas never make skillful sailors. You gotta go through some storms to develop who God is making you to be. And sometimes it's not fun, most of the times it's not easy, but at the end you'll look back and say, I am who I am today because I navigated some storms and I'm thankful for who God is because he's proved to me he didn't let me die at this storm. Would you stand to your feet with me? Would you just bow your head and close your eye for a brief moment? I get it. Storms suck. We don't want to go through them, but they make us into the people that we are. A tree only grows when it feels the wind and the storm pressing against its branches. It says it sends a signal from the top of the tree down to the roots, push in deeper because we might not make it. And for some of us, you want to run every time something doesn't go your way. My encouragement is stand with God, stand on the word of God, and let your roots go down deep. Because that storm is not lasting forever, but what God is making in you will last forever. With your head bowed and eye closed, if you're here, I want to pray for you. And you're in a storm right now. You know it. You're like, I'm going through it. I don't know what to do, but I heard what you said. I got to cling on to God and his word. I got to adhere to him. If that's you, I want to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to know who I'm praying with. The international sign of surrender, when you don't speak the same language as the person that you're surrendering to, the international sign of it is to lift your hands. And it's a known symbol across the world. I surrender. My invitation is for you to surrender to God today. I'm going to count to three. If you're going through a storm, just lift your hands. One, two, three. Lift them up right now. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I pray as with your hands lifted that the God who is able can do exceedingly more than you could hope or imagine. That no matter what you're going through, he's stronger and he's greater and he's going to see you through this. So I speak faith and strength and love and peace and joy into you now. That you would see this storm from a different perspective and that you would get through this thing adhering to God, clinging onto Him as if your life depended on it. I bless you now in Jesus' name. Head bows, eye closed. Throw your hands down. 
Would you grab the hand of your neighbor real quick? Just grab it, don't be weird. It might be a little clammy, it's okay. Grab the hand of your neighbor. If you're here and you know that you're far from God, you know it. Quit letting pride get in the way of it. I'm gonna ask you in a few moments to say, I'm ready to surrender my life to God. He's not mad at you. He is mad about you. And his love is so ferocious that he sent his only son, his prize of his life. The worth of heaven was Jesus. And he sent him down to ants like you and me so that we could crucify him and beat him beyond recognition so that the gap from heaven and earth can be bridged so that you and I can come boldly before God as sons and daughters, no longer slaves to sin. So if you're here and you could be real, knowing you're far from God, you want to be close, but you know right now, maybe you were a long time ago, but you've drifted from his plan and you want to come back, do me a favor. I want you to squeeze your neighbor's hand. One, two, three, squeeze it right now. If you had a hand that was squeezed, do me a favor with your head bowed and eye closed, just lift it up right now. Just lift it up in the air. Come on, lift it up. It's okay. There it is. There it is. You're saying, I know, I'm with you. You're not alone in this. Now do me a favor, take those hands that are held up and I want you to meet me down front. Come on, bring them down. Let's go right now. Church, start beginning to celebrate those that are coming home to God. Come on, we got this. Let's bring them down front. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. We're so proud of you. We're so proud of you. Church, let's pray with these people out loud. Would you repeat after me? Dear Jesus, I ask you to be Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sin and give me a fresh start. I love you and I thank you for everything you're doing. In your name I pray, amen, amen, amen. Can we celebrate? We're so proud of you. Hang out, let's worship, let's begin to sing, and let's celebrate the goodness of God. In Jesus' name, love you, fearless. Come on, church. Come on, church. Come on, church. Let's lift our hands. Come on, let's sing this out. Come on, to all the worshipers in the middle of the storm. Let's worship. How good is, it, good is it what he was saying about clinging to God? I think sometimes we think you can cling to God just in your mind. 
clinging to you, God. But when you're really clinging to God, it takes over your emotions and your body and your everything. Psalm 63.8 says this, I cling to you and your right hand upholds me. To us, when God calls us to lift our hands, that's not just a Pentecostal thing that we're doing in this church. Like some people come up, man, this church reminds me of my old Pentecostal church. No, we're just being biblical. It is biblical to lift your hands. God says, I want everyone to lift up holy hands you know what he's saying? I want you to cling to me. This is what my son does when he wants me to pick him up. He lifts up his hands and says, Dad, I'm not going till you pick me up. He could be at my, at my waist for, for 10 minutes before I notice. And I look down, oh, God, here. And I pick him up. This is the picture. When we lift up our hands, God says, I uphold you with my... It's not just you clinging to the ride. When you cling to God, he clings to you. He puts down the stars. He puts down running the universe, and he picks you up. If you're in the middle of the storm, there's no better posture than lifting your hands. It's not just lip service we're giving God. We're saying, God, I will worship through this storm even when I don't know how, right? I know you know how. This is us. We're saying, God, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this, but I'm going to lift up my hands. I'm going to cling to you. You grab me with your right arm. Let's try this again. Come on. Come on, church. Let's, if you're going through some things, come on, just lift your hands. Say, Holy Spirit, I need you. Father, I need you. Come on, pick me up. There you go. I know you know how. On, one more time. Would you just begin to worship him all over this room? Come on, would you just begin to give him a shout of praise? Come on, would you just begin to fill this house? Come on, those that are anchored in his love. Lord, we worship you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Come on, if you felt anchored into his love today, come on, would you just... Just let them know all over this room. Come on, just give God an offering of praise today. Come on, come on, not a not a golf clap, not a not a secondhand revelation. Come on, this is first-hand encounter. Come on, thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you for listening. If you have something that you need prayer for, we would love to pray for you. Visit fearlessla.com slash fearless TV to fill out a prayer request or find more information about Fearless Church.